Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be Ms. back Darryl, are we ready? as soon as we're done. God bless you. All right, family, let's pray. God, I thank you for each and every person here. We never take it for granted, this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person. I also pray that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today they can use. They will be able to use this message and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now. They will be able to use this message and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. You know, a couple of quick things before we actually jump off and get started. You know, last week, Pastor Grace did her best to try to help me with this word Jesus was saying. And I was jacking it up. God bless her, she was really trying to help me out. But I told you I was going to go and I wasn't going to mess that word up again. Let me show you something. I, I went and, and you know what I did? I did some internet research and I found rabbis and other people that say the doggone word. And you know what's interesting? They all said it different. So that, they, that made me feel less bad. Because they supposed to know. You feel me? But you know, after about 15, 20 minutes of this, I kind of wrote down, this is not the real, people that do phonetics and stuff, they could write the real markets and stuff. I just wrote it down how it sounded in my head. And the first two kind of just sound like Shabakthani. Now they have a hard B at some places, but you know what? And then other, the other third one I found was Shabakthani. I like the first one. So that's the one I'm gonna be saying. You picked it, and you know what I found out? You, you just said how it come from your gut, and you know what? You might be, you might be righter than some people that think they right. It worked like that. All right, now, for, for the Bible confession, the second thing. Get this. I know I always give you Smith stories, but you know what I've done? I was cleaning up my office, and I came across something I wrote down. I often write down things that I hear that goes on in my house that kind of go, oh, this is gonna be funny years from now. I wrote down something from when my, my children are mid-20s and older, when my wife was pregnant. And I'm not even gonna try to spit it from my head. I'm gonna read it to you. It, I, I was in my office, I must have been laughing for 10 minutes. Cause that's, that's Greta. That's the Greta that you don't see. It's the Greta that a lot of people don't see. The sweet lady that be in the front with the mask on, up here doing announcements. Hello, y'all, and God say, I'm telling you. There's a girl that, that doggone eat, you know, had a hoop earrings and drank soda with peanuts in it and all that stuff. There's, I live with her. Listen to what she said. This is, this, is, this is Smith's story from when my wife was pregnant. I'm just going to read it to you, just, just how I wrote it back then. Here it is. You were pregnant with one of my kids. I don't know which one, but here it is. Once during her pregnancy, my wife requested we have pizza for dinner. Being a little short on cash, 
I responded that she should pick up a dictionary and look up the word budget. <laughs> Being even shorter on humor, she insisted that I get a dictionary and look up the word craving. <laughs> she assured me that there I would find the words, screw the budget. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Fam, lift up your Bibles for me. <laughs> lift your Bibles up, regardless of what form they take. Before we get into the Word of God, we always like to read our confession or say it together. <laughs> if you would, let's go. This is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God-breathed, and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Loved ones, you know where we are, Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, where Moses comes face to face with God, whose essence has taken the form of this burning bush. The voice translation says this. It'll be shown before you. Starting in verse 1. Now one day when Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, he guided the flock far away from its usual pastures to the other side of the desert and came to a place known as Horeb, where the mountain of God stood. There, a spe the special messenger of the Eternal appeared to Moses in a fiery blaze from within the bush. Moses looked again at the bush as it blazed, but to his amazement, the bush did not burn up in flames. Moses said to himself, why is this bush not burning up? I need to move, uh, I need to move a little closer to get a better look at this amazing sight. When the Eternal One saw Moses approaching the burning bush to observe it more closely, he called out to him from within the bush. God said, Moses, Moses. Moses says, I'm right here. God says, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals and stand barefoot on the ground in my presence, for this ground is holy ground. Family, we've been talking about fire in two respects. We actually put an image of fire up so that you could actually get the sense of the first respect, and that is there is a fire burning on the inside of you. When you accepted God, the living God came on the inside of you and set your spirit on fire. The other aspect that we've been talking about is the fires of life, so to speak. The fires of life are situations and circumstances that come to test your Christian walk. The fires of life are, are, are you know, the heat that life, life puts at you the emotional heat, the mental heat, the spiritual heat, all of these things that pushes you to, well, it wants you to sell your faith. That's the objective of those things, to see if it can move you away from God. And what we did is we put those fires or the intensities or the heats of life 
in three basic categories. Those categories are these, low heat, moderate heat, and high heat. Now we've been talking about high heat. We're talking about the high heat first and working our way back down. And we've talked about three topics so far. We've talked about peer pressure as being a high heat situation, abandonment as being a high heat situation, and loss, or the fear of losing something. You know where we left off last session, Jesus was hanging on his cross. And we're gonna pick up from that same spot. Jesus is on the cross, family. And in Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, in the Amplified Classic, while hanging on the cross, here's what Matthew records. And about the ninth, and about the ninth hour, three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you abandoned me, leaving me helpless, forsaking and failing me in my need? Right here, Jesus is about to experience something he's never experienced before. He's always been one with God. He's always been in the presence of God. They've always been together. But on this cross, he's about to lose the only life he's ever known, the life being with God. And in order for him to save that life he's always known, in order for him not to lose that thing, he's got to make a determination. Do I stay on this cross or do I get off of it? Said differently, in order for him to not lose the life he's always known, he has to sell his faith. He has to sell it. Now, you and I, we face the very same question. Whenever we're put in a position where that position presses us against what we know God wants us to do, we have to answer that question. The question of do we sell our faith or not? Many of us, after experiencing a loss or when faced with the possibility of losing something we hold dear, have stepped out of the will of God in some form or fashion. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean that you've either thought something ungodly, you've acted ungodly in some way, or in the most extreme cases, after you've lost something that you've held dear, you begin to hate God for what he, quote unquote, allowed to happen. Look at Luke chapter 23, verse 46, International Standard Version. In other words, what I'm saying is we've had experiences that when life turned up the heat, what we did is we sold our faith. But I thank God Jesus did not do that. What Jesus did when he was pushed against the situation of high heat, he did what we all should do. He put his life, the Bible here says his spirit, but he put everything he has, his complete essence, into the arms of the Father. Verse, 20, verse 46, then Jesus cried out with a loud voice and said, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. After he said this, he breathed his last breath. Jesus is a shining example of 
how we should act as believers. He is what we can call the behavior blueprint for how we should be as people that we call disciples or followers of Christ. And that blueprint has two parts. The first part of that blueprint is here. That we should put all that we are into the hands of the Father. This part of the blueprint, as believers, a lot of people believe that they do that, but we've already kind of touched on a little bit that, do you really? But this is part of the blueprint. The other part of the blueprint is, I'm going to say, a little bit harder to swallow. The other part of the blueprint is not found here, but it is found where Jesus is hanging on the cross. What is that other part? Well, to get that other part, we have to go back in time from this point to when he first starts speaking on the cross. The first words he said, notice this. Luke chapter 23, verses 32 through 34 in the easy to read. Here we go. There were two criminals led out with Jesus to be killed. They were led to the place called the skull. There the soldiers nailed Jesus to the cross. They also nailed the criminals to crosses beside Jesus, one on the right and the other on the left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgiveness, family, is the second part of that behavior blueprint. And let me tell you, forgiveness, that bad boy can be a hard pill to swallow. It can be difficult to forgive. But you know what? This is part of the blueprint. Jesus is saying, Forgive them. Father, forgive them. And let me tell you something. Considering what Jesus has been through, we've already talked about that. Considering what this, this man has been through, for him to have the spiritual wherewithal and the emotional strength to even get his lips to possibly form the words to say, Father, forgive them, is mind-blowing. And we know for a fact that when he's saying, Father, forgive them, he's not just talking about them. He's talking about mankind. But to just keep it localized, he's saying, Father, forgive them. He, he's definitely seeing some people. But for him to be able to say that absolutely blows my mind, yet he says it. After being Betrayed by a friend, Father, forgive them. After being abandoned by all of his disciples, Father, forgive them. After being lied on, Father, forgive them. After being spit on, Father, forgive them. 
after being hit with fists, Father, forgive them. After being slapped, Father, forgive them. After being drugged into a court and falsely accused like a criminal, Father, forgive them. After being whipped to the point to where most likely, based on historic historians, until his flesh ripped, Father, forgive him. After having a crown of thorns pressed in his brow, Father, forgive him. After being beat in, a head, in the head with a stick, Father, forgive him. After being mocked and made fun of, Father, forgive him. After being forced to walk your way to where I'm going to execute you. Yeah, I know we didn't beat you up. I know you're bloody. I know you're hurting, but not walk. And even had the nerve to want him to carry his own cross. Thank you for the other man that at least, not they say they made him do it, but thank you for the other man that at least carried the cross the rest of the way. After being nailed to the cross and hung high and stretched wide like the worst of criminals, Father, forgive them. Oh, my God. Jesus says, Father, forgive them, and he means it. <laughs> Jesus says, Father, forgive them, after all that he's gone through, this man still refuses to sell his faith. Father, forgive him? Mine absolutely blown. Instead of saying, I hate him, instead of saying, Father, get him, instead of saying, I can't stand y'all. Instead of saying all the things that people like us would most likely have said, he held on to his faith. And in addition, in addition to that, you know what he did? He pleaded for their forgiveness. Jesus is hanging on the cross after being mistreated, and here he is asking for forgiveness. That is part of the blueprint. Not only is it part of the blueprint, forgiveness is something that by the end of this session, I am going to ask each and every one of us to do is part of the blueprint. Because unforgiveness, whether you want to know it or not, is a high heat situation. It's a situation that can have you sell your faith. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. And when I ask you to forgive, to be clear, I'm going to ask you to purge, everybody say purge, purge unforgiveness from your heart. And that request 
is going to be without limits. What do I mean without limits? I'm glad you asked. Without limits means that when I ask you to forgive, when I ask you to purge that unforgiveness from your heart, I'm expecting, God's expecting, you need to purge anybody for anything. Anybody for anything. And to clarify what I mean by no limits, we have to look at the second sentence. Go back, not that yet, but y'all see where I'm going. You see Jesus' second, second statement? It's one statement, but second sentence. He says, Father, forgive them. Then he says, they don't know what they're doing. As a, a reasonable person, down deep, I have an issue with that. And I'm going to explain it to you. And it's not an issue that messes with people's theology. It's an issue that when I say it, you, because you people just like me, going to say, you, you doggone skippy. <laughs> we, we like to cut through, you know, we, we, we're, we're very serious believers, but we also like to cut through the fluff. If we're going to be Christian, we're Christian for real. We're going to read the Bible, we're going to read it for real. We're not going to try to read it for what we think it say. We're going to read it, let the Spirit of God tell us what's going on. We're going to talk about stuff. Because if, it, if it's not relatable, it's less useful. But now when Jesus says they don't know what they're doing, I understand that he's speaking on a spiritual level. I do. I'm reading it from the Bible by God. It has to be on a spiritual level. But naturally speaking, family, Jesus knows that these people know what they're doing. I, I mean, you can, you can probably try to make the argument that the people that are doing things with, to Jesus, most of them are, you know, they're being brainwashed by the high priest and all these other people. They're getting sucked up into the vacuum of peer pressure, and they're just joining in with everybody else because they don't want to be, you know, like somebody who gets caught up like Jesus. And if they don't act like all the other people, they may end up getting whipped too. So, you know, they're just kind of trying to do what's best for them. You can think like that too. You could even go down the road that, you know, there are the people, those Roman, Roman guards or soldiers, they're doing what they were asked to do. It's their job. It's, it's, they're just doing what they were asked to do. But regardless of why, every person that's doing something in this scenario is conscious, conscious of what they are doing. They know that they are doing things that hurt Jesus physically. They are the faces and the hands and the feet 
of Jesus' pain and of Jesus' ang uh, anguish, they are the face of it. They know what they're doing. And get this. Jesus know that they know what they're doing. You, you, mean to tell, you mean to tell me that Pastor Shalita can come up to me and I think she's going to give me a hug and give me the Will Smith? She just pop, pop in my face and then say, oh, I, I didn't know what I was doing. You think you just can walk up to somebody and just punch them in the eye and they say, oh, my God, I didn't even, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, you know, you know, you just, you know, the people that slap Jesus, they know they were slapping him. They knew they were slapping. It's not like they had something that was controlling their arm and they were trying to hold back the slap. <laughs> Greta, let me tell you this Greta story. Think about it. You know, sometimes when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm getting on Greta's nerves, I go ahead and say that. I'm, I'm, I'm maybe having some little fun with her, probably taking it a little too far or whatever, and I'm, I'm pushing her buttons only because I know where those buttons are. And today I just feel like button pushing, so I'm, I'm pushing the buttons. She'll, she'll, she'll look at me, and she'll make a motion, like she's going to take her right hand and slap my face. But then she'll take her left hand and she'll hold her right arm. And she'll start saying, Oh, you better, you better, oh, you better move. I can't, I can't hold it, Ben. I don't know how long I can hold it. I can, I can hold it back. Oh, you better run. I, I, I. She does that. I, I'm gonna. That's my cue that I probably pushed one button too many. But that's not the case for Jesus. The people that are slapping him, they know they're slapping him. Doggone it, you, you spitting on me, you know you spitting on me. You punching me with your fist, you know you punch me with your fist. You whipping me, you know you whipping me. You hitting me in the head with a stick, you know you, you, know you hitting me in the head with a stick. You, you, you nailing me to a cross. You nailing me to a cross. You know you nailing me to a cross. Jesus says, Father, forgive them. All the time, this says they don't know spiritually, but all the time he know they know. And even knowing that they know, he still says, Father, forgive them. In other words, he is willing to forgive without limits. So we are going to follow that same behavior blueprint and we are going to forgive without limits. I understand. I'm just like you. Sometimes forgiveness can be a hard pill to swallow. 
when you start telling somebody that they need to forgive, they're like, okay. But then when you put in there anybody for anything, their human mind does this. Now let's get to the next slide. When you ask somebody to forgive without limits, in their spirit, even, even if they don't say it, you can see it in their face. Say what? You want me to do what? Forgive without limits. That's unfathomable. Fathomable. Forgiving without limits, that is something that goes against every fiber of my human nature. Forgiving without limits, everything in me, every bell and every whistle is going, you have got to be kidding me, forgive without limits. Forgive without limits goes against a very basic human nature principle. And let me tell you something. While you stare at this image, I am going to share with you in just a few seconds a human nature principle regarding, you can call it forgiveness or unforgiveness, but, but a human nature principle regarding this topic that we're talking about. And it's not a human nature principle that I, I did research on and I found on some you know, EDU website or some psychologist website or some, no. I just, I just wrote it down from experience. And from experience, I mean, yeah, I, I, I always look at what I've seen other people do, but you know I always start with me. Looking in the mirror and say, how do I think about this? How have I handled this? And so what I'm getting ready to share with you is just as much about me as about any, anybody else. But I bet one thing's going to be true. When I show you this principle, all y'all going to agree. You're going to agree. Let's not waste no more time. Check this out. Forgiveness without limits. The human nature concerning forgiveness is this. The challenge or hurdle associated with getting a person to forgive someone is greater when the person doing the forgiving believes the other person wronged them on purpose. Now, if we want to just make this simpler, I just gave you just one simple sentence here. It says this. A person is more likely to forgive another of accidental hurt than for a willful act. Don't you agree? Yeah. And I've, and, hey, that's been me. It's, it's one thing that you come and tell me and we can, we can talk about it and I can kind of say, you know what? They didn't really mean to do that. That forgiveness for me comes easier than when no matter what you're telling me, especially if now I'm thinking you're lying about it because all the tea leaves and all the signs say, you know, you almost said the word joker. You, you know for a fact that even hearing you say it don't make enough sense to say anything else. But you premeditated, you planned it, you meant to do it. You know what? One plus one is two. You trying to you trying to put one over on me, and when I get to that point, it's hard for me to forgive you when I think you hurt me on purpose. 
anybody that tell you anything else, I, you know what? I, I, I try not to say people lying, but they're just on a much higher level than me. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you straight up. I'm not saying we won't get to forgiveness, but it's hard. But today, even for me, the line in the sand gets drawn. No more carrying it. Time to purge it. Because unforgiveness is a high heat situation. And unforgiveness will get you to sell your faith every time. Say this with me. Forgiving somebody for an accident seems easier than forgiving somebody for something they do on purpose. But the request, loved ones, is going to be that we forgive without limits. I know it's going to be tough for some of us. For some things, it's going to be tough for me. But I'm going to do it right along with you because it's necessary. So whether the hurt is through accidental or willful acts of others, the request will be to purge our hearts from unforgiveness. And we can do it, too. We can do it because why? If you point back to the fire on the inside of you, you have on the inside of you a God who not only is able to ignite your spirit and set it on fire, but is able to get you to do something that seems above human capability and above human reasoning. If you let him. God knows that <laughs> forgiveness is a hard pill to swallow. And I'm talking about forgiveness for real. I'm not talking about lip service forgiveness. Once again, putting myself in the same bucket, I have given lip service for forgiveness also. Okay, let's hug. I forgive you. Get in my car. I can't stand that joke. It ain't it. He, think, he think that one hug is going to get over what he did to me. It just, oh, you got, to be, you got to be kidding me. We've all done lip service forgiveness, especially if other people watch it. They'd be like, ooh, they such, an, they such a mature Christian. They such a mature believer. Don't know. We got pacifiers and Similac running all out of us because we ain't forgetting nobody for nothing. But you know what? It looks good. It does. It looks good. But we all know the issue with something looking good but really not being good in the core, at the core. It's still rotten. But God knows that forgiving others from our hearts is difficult. And here's one thing that we have to admit. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, this is my jump out up front day, I guess. I'm going to admit me first. You know, sometimes we can, we can have some unforgiveness against people for some very, 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 very small stuff. I mean, we really can have unforgiveness for some very minute things, especially when we compare it to Jesus and what he went through. Jesus is saying, Father, forgive them 
and he's saying it for people. Once again, I know it's everybody, but as far as the people that are there, he's saying, Father, forgive them from people who figuratively or literally have his blood on their hands. And he said, Father, forgive them. So when I ask you, how many of us have held unforgiveness against some people for much, much less? I mean, we, we've held unforgiveness from folks for, some, for, for some, some big stuff, yeah, but oh, for some tiny stuff. Notice. Now, un unforgiveness can be for some small stuff and big stuff. <laughs> but let's talk about the small stuff first. Because the small stuff is something that's really going to make an appropriate mark. When I talk about small stuff, Tell me, family, how many of you have ever said stuff like, I, I ain't going to talk to them no more because they still owe me $20? <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't going to talk to them no more because we went on vacation and, and they, we supposed to do all this stuff. We had planned and wrote it all down. And doggone it, when we get there, they don't want to do none of it. We didn't dog and we didn't pay for excursions and stuff. And you know what? Now all they want to do is they want to sit up on the Lido deck and, and drink drinks. You know we, that ship don't give us no refund. We planned this thing a long time ago. Doggone it, we went on vacation together. And we know we said we're going to split it down the middle, 50-50. And I still ain't got my hotel refund back from them, reimbursement back, back from them. No, I ain't talking to them no more. They say they was going to come to my birthday party. I expected them to be there. As a matter of fact, they know my birthday is one of the most important days of my life. Birthday for me, look at that. Birthday for me is like a national holiday. They, and they know that. They've been knowing me long enough to know how important my birthday is, doggone it. And then they didn't even, they didn't even come to my birthday. No, I ain't talking to them no more. Yeah, I invited, they know I was saying it. I was doing my solo. First time I could do the solo in church, I've been practicing and practicing and practicing. And doggone it, they told me they were, they were going to come. They didn't come. I even saved them a seat, paid for them to have a VIP ticket, you know, where they sit up in the front and get a little backstage pass, sit up with the pastors and stuff. You know, I, I did, told everybody they was going to come because they're my best friends, see. But, you know, they ain't come. Told me. They wasn't feeling good. I get on social media, media, they at the beach. They doing something else. They just didn't want to come. No, I ain't talking to them no more. They said they was going to call me back. I waited by the phone. They know I go to bed by 9 o'clock. But I, I stayed up because they told me they was going to call. And I waited, and they didn't call. But then I, you know... I, maybe something happened, so what I did was I checked in the morning. I ain't had no missed call from them either. No, I ain't talking to them, talking to them no more. They, they ain't want to start dating that person back in high school until I said I liked them first. 
they, they, they ain't even, they ain't even know she was even anybody to look at until I said I liked her. <laughs> they know he liked me. And now they come sliding up in there. No, I don't talk to them no, talk to them no more. You 43 now. They, they forgot to fall out the turkey and ruin Thanksgiving. You know that turkey can't be thawed out that quick. They supposed to been had that turkey out the freezer and in the refrigerator. Thanksgiving happened the same dates every year. They the ones that said that they were going to do the turkey, and we gave them the turkey. Everybody know that for Thanksgiving, the turkey is the most important part. We sitting there in the house. I done bought everybody to my new house, girl. The first time I had Thanksgiving at my new house, invited all the family. We got everything decorated, sitting there. The people done brought the macaroni. We got the, we got the yams. We got the collard greens and rice, cornbread all laid out. We got everything that we need. Somebody done made pies and cakes. But you know what? You can't just have Thanksgiving with just ham. The turkey is the most important part. And they forgot to throw out the turkey. Doggone it. No, I don't talk to them no more. Ruin my... I can't go back and have a first home, home warming of Thanksgiving. I don't talk to them no more because, doggone it, they forgot to throw out the turkey. Loved ones, in our culture, we have become so accustomed to unforgiveness that we no longer even fathom or do not realize that we've sold our faith for a turkey. We're so accustomed to just holding unforgiveness, like change in our pocket, that we don't realize that we've sold our faith over a petty memory, sold our faith on not getting a call back. We're holding unforgiveness against somebody else in our heart. We've sold our faith over something so teenage, so small, so insignificant, that we don't even look at it, though, because We've become so accustomed to that's just what we do because you don't look at it as selling your faith, but you sold your faith for $20. We think about selling our faith. We think about the big stuff. But every single day of your and my life, we sell our faith for unforgiveness over the smallest crap. I ain't going to talk to you no more because at least if you want to get any empathy from me, let it be for big stuff. Ain't talk to your own sister or your own brother or your own mama or your own daddy over some small stuff. Ain't been to the family union and you don't even know when. Last time you went over some small stuff. Mad at your wife. Let me testify. 
mad at your wife over some small, small stuff to the point to where you ain't even going to talk to her for a doggone a week. But if you had somebody, a third party, someone who was completely independent, look at you, they would tell you, Benjamin, you're being a s about it. It's small stuff. What you are holding your unforgiveness about, you need to be slapped for. Of course, we do not turn a blind eye to the fact that, oh, there's big stuff. There's big stuff that has some justification for being angry, for having a little emotional bitterness. Oh, there's justification for some, some, some big stuff, stuff like, you lied to me. And that lie had dire consequences. You cheated on me. And that's tough for me to swallow. It's tough for me to look you in your face without wanting to slap it. It's tough for me to be in the same space as you. You abandoned me. You abused me. You damaged me, you hit me, you molested me. There are things that happen in life that absolutely, positively leave deep, deep cuts. Deep cuts. Cuts that are so deep, they leave you mentally battered and bruised. And figuratively speaking, hanging on a cross. It's like they've hung you high and stretched you wide. Stripped you bare of all the dignity, of all your trust, trust, of all your hopes, and nailed you to a cross. There are things in life that can leave you with deep cuts. Deep, deep emotional scars. Emotional scars that, for all practical purposes, they stripped you down and hung you on a cross. There are things in life that if you look at them, they justify the hatred I feel for what you did. Absolutely justifiable. Nobody can even blame you for the way you feel. It's just that obvious. But I want you to say something, family. Say, be that as it may, the behavior blueprint Jesus provides never validates unforgiveness. This image. Unforgiveness is never validated. It is never validated. The cuts may be deep, it's never validated. 
Jesus and all that he'd been through still said, Father, forgive them. And although it may be difficult for us to say and do, we must do the same. And we must do the same because it's for our benefit. The, the fact that we try to come up with a way to validate holding on to that unforgiveness, I will tell you that that is human nature. But once again, family, you have a flame on the inside of you. That if you let the spirit of God, he can cause you to do things that are above human reasoning and above human capability. This forgiveness is something that you benefit from. You know, let me show you two scriptures really quick because the Bible tells us that God is light. And unforgiveness, that darkness, it distances you from God. Look at 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 6, and 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through 15, both in the Message Bible, starting in 1 John. This, in essence, is the message we heard from Christ and are passing on to you. God is light, pure light. There is not a trace of darkness in him. If we claim that we experience a shared life with him and continue to stumble around in the dark, we're obviously lying through our teeth. We're not living what we claim. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Don't become partner, partners with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? What's not partner? That's not partnership. That's war. Is light best friends with dark? Does Christ go strolling with the devil? Do trust and mistrust hold hands? Family, we cannot walk with God who is pure light while at the same time holding darkness in our hearts. Trapping darkness in our hearts, all that does is distance you and me from God. Therefore, being willing to purge your heart of unforgiveness is something that benefits you. It's for your own good. And I'm going to share something with you. I actually, I actually stumbled upon this. It's been probably almost five years ago. But let's just say some long while ago, when talking to you about unforgiveness, I presented you this thought in this fashion. Let me share it to you again. Notice, two statements. Making the decision to forgive is about you. It is not about the person 
or persons who wronged you. Here's your next statement. Forgiveness is for the person who got hurt, not for the person or persons who did the hurting. Family, forgiveness is for you. Now the devil and your feelings and other people, they're going to try to get you to stir up inside of you and to make the solid foundation and the position that I'm not going to forgive them. As a matter of fact, I believe I got the right to not forgive them. They will do their best to try to convince you that you should hold firm to your unforgiveness position. Let me show you this image. So what they gonna try to convince you of, and when I mean they, you know, the devil, the people, your feelings, whatever it is, what they gonna try to convince you of, the moment you start hearing something about forgiveness, the moment someone says you should forgive, remember, without limits, anybody for anything, forgive them, forgive them? How can I forgive them after what they did or what they said? And so then you make that thing personal. Whose phone's ringing? Is that my mama phone? You know what? Let me find this. This better not be none of my auntie. Please keep ringing. Boy, they must have known I was trying to find this phone. I want to talk to him too. Well, they're going to find my mama phone. They didn't stop ringing now. But just, just, just go ahead and just put my mama phone on silent. That's my mama love my mama. Here we go. But, you know, let's call it the, the powers that be. And then they're talking to you and these are the conversations that are flowing through your mind, through your head. How can you possibly forgive him after what he said? How can you forgive him after what he did? How can you forgive her after what she said? How can you forgive her after what she did? How can you possibly forgive him after what they said and after what they did they are pushing you and pushing you no 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 you got the right to hold on to your unforgiveness and you know everybody know you got the right there's only two things that you you know that people I can't say it but <laughs> But I can say it this way. There's only two things that you got to do is one, stay the, stay the, stay the race slash complexion that you are when you, get, when you get born and transition up out of here. 
And they working on the complexion thing already. They can change you up. Take you from mocha to light pigment and blonde hair. They'll mess with your skin and the hair in a minute. But all these voices inside your head that are not God, that are trying to tell you to hold on to unforgiveness, they're trying to convince you that it's your right to hold on to unforgiveness. It might be your right, but is it righteous to do? Jesus gave us the example. He gave us the behavior blueprint. Father, forgive them and forgive them without limits. And no matter if you are holding unforgiveness for a little thing or if you're holding unforgiveness for, guess what? A justifiable good thing that really hurts you really, really bad. If you elect to hold on to unforgiveness, what you are doing is you're selling your faith to pay for your hatred. That's what you're doing. I would, I would rather hold on to unforgiveness and sell my faith and hold on to the fact that I hate you. All these questions here work to solidify that unforgiveness position. But when I see that how can you forgive them in that statement? You know what I know? I, knew, I know that that statement is misplaced or misstated. Because the forgiveness is not about them. It's about you. Your forgiveness is about you. My forgiveness is about me. It's not about them. It's not about them that wronged me. It's not about them that hurt me. My forgiveness frees me. Say this with me. Say, my forgiveness is about me. That's right, loved ones. Your forgiveness is about you. It's about freeing you. It's about liberating you. It's about removing the shackles off of you. It's about allowing you to move forward. It's about you. It's about you. It's not about them. The more you hold on to unforgiveness, the less you give yourself an opportunity to move forward. And as it relates to moving forward, Jesus gives us on the cross through his behavioral blueprint, he gives us the pattern to move forward. And through that pattern, we're going to get to the point to where you and I we're going to purge. Look at this pattern. The pattern for moving forward. 
and let me explain this to you. I want you to imagine that Jesus is on the cross. And now I want you to collect all the little comments that I've made as I'm talking about him on the cross. And I want to put that in a statement or in a process for you. And I'm going to try to make it as applicable to you and I as I can. First, let's talk about Jesus. He's on the cross. He's been beat. He's been battered. He's taken the best that the world can throw at him. He's hurt at this point. But guess what, family? Still breathing. He's hurt, but still alive. He's hurt, but he's still going forward. But Jesus is on the cross and at the moment where he says, Father, forgive them. And he goes all the way through the point where he says, God, I'm putting everything in your arms. And he breathes his last breath. The process that he is going through is he is letting go of a hurtful life and transitioning to a better life. And between leaving a hurtful life and getting to a better life is the act of forgiveness. Let's make that applicable. You've been hurt. There are things that people have done for, for, for you. And now, let's be clear. We no longer talking about the little stuff. We're going to take the forgiveness part that we're going to do for the little stuff as a given. We're talking about unforgiveness where high heat is the intensity. You've been hurt by them. You've been cut deep by them. Whoever them is emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Everything from relationship to church hurt. Everything from friendships to marriage. Everything from business associates. Everything from people at work. What they did to you. You're supposed to get the promotion. They end up not promoting you, but they end up firing you. Didn't even let you know. Everything. You have been hurt. Figuratively speaking, you're on the cross. And what you want is you want that better life. Putting your life as it is right now into the arms of God is one step. But the transition to the life that you want happens across a path of forgiveness. You are going to need to disassociate yourself from unforgiveness in order to be able to transition to a better life. If what you are going to do is put yourself in the position because you think it's your right to hold on to that forgiveness, to that unforgiveness, you cannot transition. Before he transitioned, he said, Father, forgive him. 
And upon saying, Father, forgive them, he already acted on that one principle. And then, get this, he let that hurtful life die. As long as you hold on to that unforgiveness, that hurtful life will continue to have a heartbeat. That hurtful life will always stick around. That hurt, that pain. Hurtful life to a better life with a transition in between of forgiveness. So loved ones, this is when we purge. And what are we, what are we purged from? Unforgiveness that we hold against people. Unforgiveness that we hold against God. What? Yeah, against God. And we know God don't need our, our forgiveness. But baby girl, forgiveness is about you. My brother, forgiveness is about you. Unforgiveness that we hold against ourselves. We've already talked about unforgiveness of, of, of people, so I don't have to give any more major examples about that. But unforgiveness against God, we've touched on it, but during the pur purge, purge, let's make sure we don't miss it. You hold God personally responsible for taking away your loved one. You hate him for it. Even while you sing praise songs, you hate him for it. While you give offerings, you hate him for it. While you serve in any capacity, you hate him for it. While you're at the hospital, you hate him for it, meaning volunteering. You hate him for it. You're doing everything, going through the motions to be the best Christian that you can, but you know what? You are stuck because you're holding unforgiveness against God. That person meant the world to you. For 30 years we were together. For 50 years we were together. For 60 years we were together. That was my only child. You hate God for it. But loved ones, God's got a better life for you. Put your life in his arms and give up that unforgiveness. Whatever you feel that you have lost. The Bible says that Jesus says nobody that's given up anything for the gospel. Anything for this faith. Anything to stick close with God. They shall not lose. God's got something else for them. I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there because I'm saying it's a transition to a better life. When we're talking about he, 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 he left me. She left me. And we don't make light of that. But you know what? If you put that into God's hands and you release that unforgiveness the better life that God has for you through trans transition, you know how God is. Our God is the God of the upgrade. Yeah. 
might not have appreciated you. He might not have known what the value that you bring. He might not have wanted to put on you the, the, the proper perspective of the person that you are. But if you put your life in God's hands, you give up that unforgiveness. You let him transition you into the life he wants to have you. God got around the corner an upgrade for you. A man that'll treat you like you're supposed to be treated. That'll love you how you're supposed to be loved. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, she, she, made the de- she made the decision. She made the decision for whatever reason. We're not trying to piece out the reasons, but you are a child of God. Take that unforgiveness. Release it. Fall back completely into his arms. And if the desire of your heart is to have someone that loves you for you, our God is the God of the upgrade. The transition is from hurt to better. But we get trapped because we shackle ourselves to the unforgiveness. And we wonder why we can't quite get to that new life that we're looking for. It's because we're anchored. But loved ones, it's time to purge. And I'm going to ask each and every one of us to do it. Release that unforgiveness. And if, if, if you would, I'm going to ask everyone to please stand to their feet. Because whether we admit it or not, family, we all have had things in our life where we have said to ourselves, it's our right to hold on to this unforgiveness. And my prayer is going to be for each and every one of you to let it go. For those of you who want to or who are willing, we're still in service. You may go ahead and please, if whatever song you've selected, please go ahead and play and, and get started. For those of you who are willing, I'm forgiven. I'm going to pray for you. Because you for those who, 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 who want to stay in their, in their seat, I'm please stay in your seat. But for those who want prayer for that, we're not going to pray all day. But please, please come forward. Greta, please hear. God, I thank you for forgiveness in their heart. We don't know. We don't have to know. All we know is that forgiveness is something that keeps us bound. And we no longer want to be bound by it. We pray for our sister and we pray for the release of whatever it is out of her heart. She purges it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for my brother. I thank you that whatever it is that's in this heart, it doesn't matter how it got there, but what we want now, God, is to put our faith with his faith and 
the power that's made available on the inside of him will give him the ability to purge that unforgiveness and allow him to transition to a better life. In Jesus' name, amen. God, I thank you for my sister. I pray that whatever it is inside of her, the unforgiveness, that it no longer keeps her bound, it no longer keeps her anchored, she is going to move forward because she now purges that unforgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. I thank you for my sister. So many times in life we experience hurts and pains. Sometimes we don't even know how they got there, but we know that they hurt. And that hurt and that pain keeps us bound, bound to our past. We want to move forward. And I pray right now that as she purges her unforgiveness, that you allow her to move forward towards the better life that you have for her. In Jesus' name, amen. I thank you for my sister. Unforgiveness in our hearts is something that does not belong. It's darkness, and God, you are light. We pray now that she purges that unforgiveness and give her a direct path to the light. A light in her mind, a light in her emotion, a light in her spirit. Show her that better day that she's been praying for. In Jesus' name, amen. I thank you for my sister. God, I ask that you give her the ability to purge the hurt. It doesn't matter where the hurt came from or how it got there. Give her the ability to purge the hurt. Forgiveness without limits. Heal her heart. Heal her mind. Ease her emotions. God, allow her to step into that better day. A day where she laughs again. A day where she has joy again. A day where she can look back on it and say, look at where God has brought me from. She purges her unforgiveness in Jesus' name right now. Amen. God, we love our sister. And unforgiveness has no place in her life. Unforgiveness keeps her distance from God. Her heart longs to be closer to God. Now it shall be. I thank you that that unforgiveness is purged and that new better life she now can experience the transition. She puts that old hurt, that old pain into the arms of God and she says, Father, into your arms I'm going to commit this old life. And as that old life dies, God is transitioning her to something much, much better. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God, I thank you for my sister. I thank you that she is here because there is something on the inside of her that's been lingering. An unforgiveness that is not necessarily fresh, but one that's been there for a long time. 
That unforgiveness must go now in Jesus' name. She has a focus on being everything that you want her to be for her and her family. For her business and for where you want them to go, she knows that being closer to you is the key. That unforgiveness that tried to keep her bound, that tried to get her locked down, that kept her from being, guess what God, the you that you call her to be, that kept her from being able to be freely expressive in a way that can only come from someone who is completely walking in the light. That forgiveness is done. That unforgiveness is purged. She is heading towards her better life today. In Jesus' name. Amen. God, I thank you for my sister. Unforgiveness in her must go. It doesn't matter how deep-rooted. The deeper the roots, the roots need to know the greater the God. You are the God that can do the impossible. People will tell you that you will never get over it. People will tell you that there's nothing you can do about it. People will tell you that it's going to always be a part of your life such that it'll always keep you in in that position. Not so. We serve the God that can do the impossible and the fire that burns on the inside of her is capable of consuming any trick, any scheme, any anchor that the enemy has placed inside of her. She now purges that unforgiveness from her life and steps towards the new, better life, God, that you have for her. In Jesus' name, she comes off of that cross now. Amen. 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 God, I thank you for my brother. And I thank you for his heart to come before you at a young age. Spirit has no age. I thank you that he is sensitive enough to know that if there is unforgiveness in his heart, whatever it is, that he knows it does not belong. It may feel as if it's his right, but he knows from the Spirit of God that it's not the righteous thing to do. So he purges that unforgiveness right now in Jesus' name. And I thank you that he will continue to walk towards that better life, God, that you have for him. I also thank you that because at such a young age he's made the decision to come now and purchase unforgiveness that you continue to foster in him as he grows that sensitivity to your spirit and that he will avoid so many pitfalls in life because he kept his ears attuned to what the Holy Spirit has to say in Jesus name Amen God, I thank you for our sister. Unforgiveness can be something that we live with for so long that it becomes like a dear old friend. We don't know what life ever was without it. It's always been with us, influencing what we do, influencing how we talk, influencing how we act, 
influencing how we let people get close to us. Unforgiveness is that thing that anchors us to a life God never intended. I pray that she purges that unforgiveness and knowing that the power on the inside of her gives her, her that ability, I pray that she walks in that unforgiveness. She doesn't go back and pick it up. She doesn't look back on it and long for it as her right to hold on to it. It is gone henceforth now and forever, giving her the opportunity to put that old life to death. Transition from that life to the better life that God has for her. In Jesus' name, amen. God, I thank you for our sister. I thank you for the heart that she has for you. Having a heart for you and not being able to understand why you can't shake unforgiveness can put you in a bind. You know who you are in Christ. But the hurt runs so deep that every time you bring yourself to even consider forgiving, the moment you think about that person or those people and what they did and the pain that it caused you, it takes you to a position where you might have had your forgiveness on the table, but doggone it, you take it back off the table and you hold on to that unforgiveness because I got the right. But right now, she's giving up that right. She's putting everything that she is in your arms and she's saying that that old life of unforgiveness has to go. It has to go, no longer to be bound, no longer to be held captive to it. And she transitions and she moves forward in the life that you have for her. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Yes. Now, God, I pray for myself. And I pray for my wife. I pray for my family. I pray for those in my network, whether they're present or whether they're far away, whether they're asleep or whether they're awake. I pray that unforgiveness has no place in their heart. No matter why they've been holding on to it, no matter why I've been holding on to it, it has to go. It no longer has a place there because it is keeping me, it is keeping us from transitioning into the life that you have for us. It is that stuff that keeps me and my wife from experiencing the fullness of marriage because of old hurts, because of old pains, because of old things that keep us bound. It is the hurt and it's the unforgiveness that keeps any inkling of separation between me and my children. If that is there, I bind it in the name of Jesus and I cast it out. Any unforgiveness that has somehow taken anybody in my network and have caused them to pause when they need me instead of coming to me and caused them to pause instead of coming to my wife when they need her or to pause instead of enacting the friendship that we have instead of coming our way, I bind that unforgiveness and I cast it down now in Jesus' name. It has no place in our lives. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
any unforgiveness, no matter how embedded, no matter how deep rooted, no longer how, no matter how deep the cut, that forgiveness has to go. We cast it out of our lives now and we move forward. We transition. We let that unforgiveness, that part of our lives die. And we transition to the better life that God has for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Family, I thank you for our sister. I thank you for this, one of our beloved family members. There is hurt that, when you see hurt in a younger person, it can be concerning because what kind of hurt can be in the heart of a younger person when although they have lived life, you know they haven't lived as much life as you've lived. That means that sometimes their hurt had to start when they were very, very young. It's hard to fathom the hurt that a child can experience that changes their life forever before they're even 10. That changes their life forever before they even finish high school. That changes their life forever before they even get a chance to say I do to the person that they love. We curse the hurt and the pain that supports the unforgiveness. We curse it from the root. Free her. As she purges her unforgiveness, she also offers her life to you as a willing sacrifice. Putting everything that she is into your hands and saying, God, I offer you up my heart, free of unforgiveness, completely bare, trusting you as my father to carry me across the threshold to a better life. The unforgiveness that she held, no matter how long it's been there, I thank you and we send up our praises to you now for giving her the ability through the spirit and the power that resides on the inside of her to cast out that unforgiveness. We declare it now purged in Jesus' name and she points her life and everything connected to her towards the better life that God has for her. Waiting for her. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name. Family, family, while you're still standing, and before 
we finish our service today. For those of you who, who stayed where you are, I believe that you went through the same process. Whatever the hurt is, you purged it from your life and you are trusting God that now that your heart is free, no darkness on the inside, that you can get even closer to Him. And He will give you the map. He will lead you to that better life that you're looking for. I want to end it with these words here because sometimes you'll hear people say that you know your life is like a book. And if we take that analogy that your life is like a book, when things in your life happens, that page is written. It becomes history. It becomes a memory that you have. Nobody can deny that you now have that memory for the rest of your life. The memory is always going to be there. But here's what I want to leave you with. Although you can't control the memory being there, you can control how you allow that memory to affect your life going forward. On that note, here is the approach that I recommend for you. I'm going to tell it to you, then I'm going to explain it. If your life is like a book, I'm going to recommend that you keep the lessons, but you burn the text. If your life is like a book, I'm going to ask that you keep and cherish the wonderful experiences, but burn the text. Before I have you say something with me, let me explain what I mean. When you go through something that's hurtful in life, it teaches you something. You get lessons out of it. And I'm not talking about the lessons that, that you know, that you build up hurt and ought, not that I'm talking about that. But the positive lessons, if you look back on what you went through, perhaps it made you who you are and now you're such a benefit to the body of Christ because of that experience, even though it was hateful, it was hurtful. But keep the lesson. But burn the text. Don't keep reliving it. Don't keep rehearsing it. When I say keep the cherished memories, but burn the text, for some of us, myself included, it's not necessarily bad stuff. It is stuff for, for example, there have been people in my life that I love dear that have transitioned. I hold on to that cherished memory. But if I elect to not move forward in life and instead continue to live in that memory and not move forward, then I'm not giving God the opportunity to transition me to a better life.
people think that that mindset means that you are forgetting about the person that you love. No. That person that you loved will always be a part of your heart. And you should always know, especially if when that person was with you, you had great times, and you know that you did right by that person. Thank God for putting that person in your life, for allowing you to get to know that person. For you, God has more for you to do. God has other people for you to meet. God has other people for you to sow into. But if you continue to live in the text of that memory, you will limit God's ability to move you forward. Say these two sentences with me. Say, you cannot both live in the now and relive history. That's your first one. Here's your second one. You cannot both move forward and drop anchor in the past. Can't do it. The high heat of unforgiveness, that's one of those anchors that you drop in the past. And you are going to find it hard to move forward while you're anchored in the past. I thank God for you so much for each person that stepped up to the plate today and said, God, I am going to forgive without limits. And it doesn't mean that unforgiveness won't creep back up, but at least now you know that the blueprint is putting yourself in the Father's arms and to transition to where he wants you to be, you got to forgive without limits. You got to purge that unforgiveness. I love you so much. You may be seated. Let's pray. God, I thank you for each and every person here. I believe that the prayer that you wanted for us have, has already happened. So the only thing left for me to say, God, is in what we have done today, here together, my prayer is, let your will be done. We send us all away as much freer people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.